We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Tuesday. It is May 17th. It is 2022. We have 10 MLB games to talk about here on today's slate. We're going to talk about the main slate. I'm joined today by Keith Eiser, Eyes 819. Keith, what's happening, my friend? Uh, not too much. We're just tilting a little Noah Sendergaard pre-show. Uh, a couple of, we each have a couple of good lineups with him. Uh, did not work out so well for Mr. Syndergaard on Monday night. So hopefully we can find some better pitching here for this Tuesday slate. Man, that lineup came out for Texas and I was like, how do I not, how do I not do it? Um, (laughs) Well, he showed us why he showed us why we don't do it. (laughs) So um, it's always, it's always funny when that kind of stuff happens. Cause I mean, it's baseball and, you know, we talk about variants and baseball is just a high variance sport. So I mean, absolutely. A lineup can be, I mean, that lineup was trash. I'll just say it. Like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be blunt. That lineup that came out for Texas um, was trash. I still stand behind playing Noah Syndergaard. It just, it didn't work out. Um, (laughs) It was, it was bad. I mean, 
the lineup had a 121 ISO, 270 Wobo, and a 23% K rate. So it was a it was a pretty bad lineup. But hey, that's baseball. Yeah, we're gonna talk you like yeah. leading off. It's it's a problem, but yeah, I mean oh, well. that guy, he just I mean, Syndergaard is someone that can struggle with um stolen bases, but uh that's yep. just that guy is it seems like he actually might be legit. Billy Hamilton 2.0. <laughs> We do have a better pitching slate today than we did yesterday. Um, I wouldn't say it's like drastically better. It's just better. Um, so excited to get into this one. Thanks for Justin filling in for me yesterday. A little under the weather. Uh, long weekend with the NASCAR stuff and some other stuff that I had going on. And I slept like three hours and I think it just caught up to me. So Ready to jump in and get back here on the baseball um, swing. We start with New York at Baltimore. This game is currently, oh, it put, there's a total finally, eight and a half, and the Yankees are 225 favorite. We got Jamison Tyon going up against Spencer Watkins. Let's start here with Tyon. He's 9,300. 85 pitches is where he's been maxed out this year. Uh, they did let him go in the like in the fifth inning against Toronto last start. He just kind of got into some trouble in that inning, and they yanked him. So, I mean, I do think his upside could potentially be six, 90, 95 pitches, but it seems like Jameis and Tyon still kids' gloves, um, I, I think is the best way to kind of put it here. But draws a matchup against the very strikeout, very weak Baltimore lineup. What are you doing here with Jameis and Tyon? Uh, yeah, I lo- love the matchup, obviously. Don't love the price. Um, strikeout rate is under 20% this year, about 19 and a half. And the pitch count, like you mentioned, he hasn't been over 90 pitches this year. So I feel like there's no upside here, and the, he's just a little bit overpriced. If I'm going up this high, I'd probably just rather get to somebody with a little bit more upside. Maybe he – just goes out and strikes out a bunch because it's, it's Baltimore. Um, but he had a start against Baltimore earlier this year and did not strike out a ton of them. I'm pulling up the game log. Now he had four strikeouts and four and two thirds, 83 pitches in his last time against them. So that's kind of what I'm expected here. Maybe, maybe he gets up to 90 pitches um, and he has five or six K's, but that even in, for 9,300, I'm just not sure that that's enough. Yeah, the one thing that I'll say here is like an already weak lineup is potentially without Mount Castle because he's on the IL and Austin Hayes is banged up right now, um, dealing with like a hand injury. So, I, I mean, it's a this lineup is just like Severino was just a lock and go for me on Monday because this lineup is just yeah, Tyon strikeouts are down, his swinging strike rate is still around ten percent. The one thing that he has going for him he just doesn't walk people. So like if he can get a team that's going to swing and miss a little bit more in a spot like Baltimore, you know, maybe his upside is six or seven strikeouts. I mean, he looks great for a win if he can get through the fifth, because I mean, New York should put it on Spencer Watkins on the other side of this game. So yeah, 9,300 is a lot usually for Tyon, but I think he's okay. Um, I I think it's tough because you look at Hauser, he's facing Atlanta and you still like, we're still like uh, somewhat worried about Hauser and is the strikeout ability going to come back? Blah, 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 blah. Is the ceiling there? You look at Eovaldi, he gets Houston. Gilbert gets Toronto. So 
maybe Tyon really is not as bad as like initial thoughts. Cause I thought the same thing. I'll be honest with you. When I first opened this slate, I was like, eh, probably too much for Tyon. And then I like started to break down the slate and I was like, man, I'm probably going to live in this range with Bundy, Giolito and Tyon because you know, those top guys, while they do have upside a little bit tougher matchups. So, um, I think Tyon is okay today. I still don't know if he has like that 30 plus point ceiling, but I don't think a lot of pitchers on this slate have that 30 plus point ceiling. So uh, I think Tyon's okay today. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not playing Spencer Watkins on the other side of this game. Um, He finally got over 80 pitches last time out, but he allowed seven runs against the Cardinals um, in, in three and two thirds. Just Spencer Watkins in a small sample size, just has not been able to get out right-handed bats. Well, he's going to face a bunch of good right-handed bats in this lineup. I think this is a spot you clearly stay away from. Yeah, definitely. He's walking as many as he's striking out. Tough matchup against New York. Uh, I think New York's the the top stack on the slate, and we've got Coors on the slate. Yeah, I mean, they're on the road. They're in Baltimore. Yeah, the fence has moved back. We're still, you know, waiting to see what that's going to do on a on a full season basis. But the ball seems to be flying a little bit better. I don't know if all the dead ball talk, but we're starting to see a little bit more runs. Was it the limited spring training? Yada, yada, yada. Um, but, yeah, I love the Yankees here. Let's talk Yankees bats. We expect Judge to be back in the lineup. It didn't sound like it was injury. It just really just sounded like a day off. Um you know, they are on that like stretch, I think of like 15, 16, 17, 18 games in a row or something like that. Um, and I mean, he got a day off. So I, I, I wouldn't even be shocked if we see like Stanton on the bench today, you know, given the other bash brother a day off here, but I love the Yankees in this spot. This is a great spot. And, you know, Donaldson's too cheap. You can get Torres in there. He's, you know, 4,100. And then you just kind of Stanton Rizzo judge. I mean, that's the stack that I think a lot of people will look at. So Maybe you're looking at LeMahieu instead of one of these other guys. Um, maybe you're looking at Joey Gallo, who's super cheap and strikes out to everybody, but facing a low strikeout pitcher. But I'm, I'm guessing you're right here with me. You said you love the Yankees as well. Yeah, absolutely right there with you. Judge the top hitter on the slate. You mentioned those reverse splits for Watkins. Um, Donaldson is ju- the price jumps off the page under 4K. Torres is right there with him. Um, Gallo, super cheap. Hicks, even if he is in the nine spot, he's only 2,800. So, yeah, I think you can play one through nine in this Yankees lineup. My favorite hitter in this lineup is probably Stanton. Um, I just – he's not slowing down right now. He's just crushing the baseball, and this is a fantastic matchup for him. So, 10 home runs on the season already. Um, I don't really have any interest in Baltimore. I mean, you could – when Mullins was cheap – he was fine because, you know, when he was 4K batting leadoff, you know, even in a bad lineup, he could, you know, still have value. But now that he's like 56, I just, there's no interest for me in this lineup right now. Yeah. Uh, Tyon just doesn't walk anybody. So I, I don't like to stack against pitchers like that. Um, even though Tyon isn't the best DFS pitcher, he's a pretty good real life pitcher uh, and not a ton of talent in this Baltimore lineup. Um, maybe you could do like a cheap mini stack. Santander did hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, he's 3,300. Um, and then fill it in with like, uh, Odor and Nevin who fill infield spots. Like, I don't mind something like that, but I'm definitely not, not full stack in Baltimore. 
All right, rocking and rolling here. Seattle at Toronto. Eight total in this one. This game opened at eight and a half. It's down to eight. Um, the Blue Jays are 135 favorite. We got Gilbert against Berrios. Um, any interest here in Logan Gilbert going up against Toronto? Really tough matchup um, and a really expensive price tag, but I think he's in play for tournaments. Um, Giolito, I think, will be the overwhelming chalk on the slate. I'm not sure how how popular Gilbert gets because of this matchup. Uh, If he's going to be lower-owned here, I don't mind playing him. Um, Good strikeout guy. He's up around 27% um, and has has just been good this year. So tough matchup against Toronto, but I'll play some on this slate. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the top prospects in baseball. I mean, he's top 25 overall prospect, not just pitcher. And he he seems like he has good stuff, like no doubt about it. Um, so do I I don't mind him here. And I will say, like, in that Philly start last time out, he hired he he had his highest average velocity in a game this season. Um, I saw a tweet about it and I looked it up. He was averaging 96 and he's been in that like low 95s most of the season. So, I mean, that's just something to kind of note. Um, he didn't have the the best game, but I mean, he still struck out nine. Philly's a tough team. Toronto's a tough team. So, you know, going off of what we've seen from Gilbert so far this season, I think in tournaments, I'm with you. I think he's very playable. Um my only concern here from Logan Gilbert, and it's such a small sample size that it's still a little concern. He's been big time reverse splits for strikeouts this year. 19% against righties, 36% against lefties. It's a very right-handed heavy lineup. And if you can't strike the brew, the blue Jays, the blue Jays out, you're going to be in trouble. So large field tournament play only for me today. I don't think I would run out Logan Gilbert in cash games. And then Barrios on the other side, I think he's he's somewhat playable here. My my concern with Barrios is he's getting the pitches. Like the pitch count's okay. The Seattle lineup is not the best. They just don't they, they have a lot of strikeouts and a little amount of strikeouts. Um he struggled against lefties more than righties this year. It's just it really for Barrios, it's do you trust him more than some of these guys in this price range? And my answer to that question is no. But in tournaments, I think he's playable. Yeah, I think he's in play on the slate as well. Um, the strikeouts have just kind of disappeared for him. Like he was always a guy that was overrated due to his prospect status. Um, when like people would play him like he was an elite pitcher, and he's never truly been like an elite strikeout pitcher. Well, this year they're all the way down at 15%. Um, I think he's a better pitcher than that. Uh, so I'm willing to play him here. The price has kind of adjusted to this, the skill set that he's shown so far this year. And I don't think he's actually like a 15% strikeout pitcher. He's, he's lived in that like 22, 23% range his entire career. I'm not sure exactly what his issues are this year. Um, but I, I think he'll get them figured out at some point. I'm, I'm willing to take a couple of shots and, and think that this might be the time that he gets it figured out. I mean, can we talk about his, like his matchups so far this year and like okay you're in the AL East you're gonna have these matchups don't get me wrong but New York twice Boston twice Cleveland Houston and Texas and the Texas game was the first game of the year he got absolutely shelled so I don't even know if we'd call that like a start for him um because it was so bad so he's had some really really tough matchups and we saw the same thing yesterday 
with Yusei Kikuchi. And, you know, Yusei Kikuchi was in the same exact spot, same team, same everything. Like, he's, I think he faced Boston like three times this year already or something along those lines. Like, it was, it was rough sledding to start the season. And I mean, like, Barrios has had a rough start here um, as far as like who he's just had to face. And I mean, he pitched well against the Red Sox the first time. He pitched well against Houston. Um, I mean, this is a guy that can get you 25 or negative five. I mean, his his floor ceiling might be the biggest range of all the pitchers on the slate. Um, so what does that mean? I mean, that that means he's he's a guy you're looking at in large field tournaments, and he's a guy that you're staying away from in cash games. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of how you have to approach it. And then as far as the Seattle bats go, it's baseball. You can play Barrios on a team and you can run some Seattle bats on a different team because when Barrios has been off this year, I mean, he has gotten absolutely shelled a couple times this year. So we'd be crazy not to even like consider Seattle in this spot. Yeah, I, I like Seattle a good amount as well. It's definitely a spot I'm going to play both sides of. Uh, I'll have a, have a little Barrios, and I'm going to be stacking Seattle as well. Uh, they're they're pretty cheap. 4,200 is their their highest priced hitter. Uh, Suarez. You've got guys like Jesse Winker down at 3,100. Uh, Julio Rodriguez at 3K. Um, Ty France at 3,700. Like th- this stack is really cheap, uh, and Barrios has has struggled this year, so. In, in the event he doesn't get it figured out, um, Seattle looks like a good team to me today. Toronto on the other side of this game, I mean, Gilbert is a really sh- strong pitcher from what we've seen. Um, good prospect. Again, though, looking at his numbers, again, very small sample size. Even if we, even if we like extend it back to last year, and I, I know like he didn't pitch a ton last year, right? Um, I think he pitched second half of the season. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he was up about the all-star break. Yeah, I think it was second half of the season. So, I mean, looking back even to last year, his his struggles were more with right-handed hitters. Um, So, I mean, stack or fade, I think, is how you approach the Blue Jays today. They have a lot of good right-handed bats. They're expensive. I don't see using them as one-offs. Stack or fade for me. Yeah, I like that. Um, you can always play the Blue Jays just because of their power, their patience. Like they're just a, a tough offense to face. Um, no matter how talented a pitcher is going against them, they can they can go off anytime. So I, I don't mind that call. Not not one of my favorite teams, um, but I'll, I'll have a little bit of exposure. Like if I was playing twenty teams, I'd have one or two Blue Jays for sure. Yeah, I mean the the talent level, and if they are able to get to Gilbert and get him out and say like the fourth inning the talent is way too high not to have exposure to any bullpen. Um, so, you know, they're always a team that I think you're going to consider. I mean, you know, we talk about this with the Dodgers all the time. Their offense is just so good that in any matchup outside of facing Madison Bumgarner, um, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I'm tilted. We're moving on. Houston at Boston nine total in this game. It's a pick em game. The Astros opened as a little bit of a favorite, but it's kind of been bet down already. It's your Kaidi going up against Eovaldi here. Let's start with Jose Urkaidi. Uh, any interest in him in this spot? Uh, 7,200. I mean, just not a guy you love to play in DFS. Another guy that's under 20%, down around 16% strikeouts this year. 
Um, tough matchup in, against Boston. Tough ballpark to pitch in. Struggles with hard contact to righties. Boston has plenty of right-handed power. He's cheap. Um, maybe he get he runs into some Babbitt luck and and is useful, but not a guy I'm going to be like seeking out. Um, it like if if he fits in like I need a pitcher in that price range, maybe I would look to him, but not excited about the spot at all for him. Yeah, I mean the the problem is the the bottom half of the Red Sox lineup ton of strikeouts. The top half very patient walks, you know, a lot of power with Devers, JD and Xander Bogarts. So it, it's if you can get through the top half, I mean you could you could potentially pitch well here, but your Kaidi's biggest struggles is fly balls and hard contact. Well, this game's in Fenway and he gives up a lot of fly balls and hard contact to righties. Well, Doing that in Fenway against guys like J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, Kiki Hernandez, like, it's not what you want to see. Um, so I think this is a spot I would stay away from your Kaidi. And then on the other side, I'm a huge fan of Eovaldi. I just don't like him in this spot. I think Eovaldi is a above-average pitcher. He's definitely looked great, um, you know, since the start of last season. He's been pitching fantastic. It's just... It's so hard to play pitchers against Houston. They just don't strike out, um, and they walk at such a high clip that it's such a hard team to beat DFS-wise. Is it impossible? No. It's just look at look at today's game, for example. You know, Whitlock pitched a solid game. We'll, we'll say solid. He had three strikeouts, two walks, two earned runs, and he was pitching well. And it's just, it's not going to show because this team just does not strike out. Yeah. I mean, you, you laid it out perfectly. I love you as a pitcher. I think he's, he's very underrated, um, but this, this is not the spot. Um, Houston is just not, not a good team to attack for DFS. Um, I, I would rather get up to Gilbert. Uh, I would probably rather go down to Tyon. Like maybe if he's super low owned, you take some shots and just hope nobody hits the ceiling game. Uh, and he gets through six innings with four or five Ks, and that's that's good enough. But I don't I don't think it's very likely, so I, I won't have a ton. Yeah, I mean, looking at looking at bats here on the Houston side, I think Jordan Alvarez is in that range where like you can play him against anybody. Um, and, and like Eovaldi has struggled massively with fly balls this season, but outside of that, I really just don't have a ton of interest in Houston. I don't want to pick on them. I don't really want to play them. Kyle Tucker is pretty cheap if you want to use him as like a one-off, but Jordan Alvarez, Tucker, probably the only guys that I have any kind of interest in in this spot. Yeah, agree with you. Um, just because I'm not super interested in Eovaldi doesn't mean that I want to stack against him. Great control pitcher. Uh, strikeout stuff has been up, but yeah, just um, not interested in picking on Eovaldi. It looks good. Um, I don't mind the Red Sox stack here. Uh, I think when you're looking at your Kaidi's numbers you know especially for this season 15 percent k rate really struggles with right-handed power bats and fly balls i mean you could go jd xander devers you could take advantage of the righties here you could play the platoon with devers because he's just elite i think this is a stack that could hit some home runs and score some runs in this game yeah i i think i like chasing the home runs here um righty bats like i love devers don't get me wrong um but JD looks looks great. Um, Kiki is really cheap. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck is really cheap. Uh, the the right handed power I think would be my first look. Um, play him as one offs. Play him as a mini stack. 
but I don't mind the full stack either. It's just Urkite is a pretty, a really good control pitcher actually. Uh, but maybe he, he gives up a couple of hits and, and some home runs here. So I don't mind the full stack, but I think I'll be chasing power more, more than stacking. Yeah. I mean, guys like Verdugo and Xander Bogarts could really benefit from a fly ball pitcher here. Um, you know, they're big time. Like I think Verdugo is like 50% ground ball since the start of last season. So um, I could see like even these guys kind of capitalizing on a, on a fly ball pitcher here, just because, He's not really going to blow the ball by you, um, and he doesn't really have that like huge strikeout stuff. So, I mean, if they do make contact, everything's kind of going in their favor here as far as ground ball, fly ball stuff. So, all right, we got the White Sox at Kansas City. No total in this game because it sounds like Giolito is going to be activated from the COVID nineteen injured list and start in this game, but it has not officially happened, so we won't get lines. And then Jonathan Heasley is pitching on the other side of this game. If Giolito gets activated in this game, and if he doesn't have any restrictions, which I highly doubt he is because it's seven days from his last start, and I'm sure he's thrown a bullpen session and all that good stuff because, yeah, and Giolito is just way too cheap, way too cheap. Yeah, I mean, he's 2K underpriced here. He's 8,500. He should be over 10K. Uh, Good matchup against Kansas City. They're not a huge strikeout team, but Giolito has one of the highest strikeout rates in baseball this year. He's up at 35%. Um, he's just he's an elite pitcher, and he's not priced like it. So he, I, I think he's going to be massive chalk here in the spot. We just watched Johnny Cueto throw a gem. <laughs> gem. Oh, man. What a world. I laughed when Dean asked me if I like Johnny Cueto today. And he's laughing at me right now. Johnny Cueto is laughing all the way to the hot tubs, um, <laughs> taking an I, ice I bath, listening to the grinders live, and just laughing at me, going, ha, laugh at yeah. that, Stevie. Um, all joking aside, Giolito, like you said, 2K at least, 2K at least under price in this spot. It just, Kansas City is not a very good offense, good ballpark for pitchers. I mean, this is a spot you're just you're loading up on Giolito if he gets activated. If he doesn't, we'll have to look and see who's starting. Um, but at this price for Giolito, I kind of and it, honestly kind of hope he doesn't get activated because he's just he's way underpriced. But yeah, I think he's in play here. And then the other side of this game, Jonathan Heasley, not even a top 25 prospect for this organization as a whole, um, you know, pitched three starts last year, 5% swinging strike rate. One start earlier this year, so it's some strikeout stuff. Um, I don't believe the swinging strike rate that he had in that game. It was like 16%. Um, he ran pretty good on the Babbitt side in that game as well. Struggle with walks. Uh, walked four guys in three and, a, three and a third. Even looking at his AAA numbers this year, the walks just seem to be the big thing for him. Um, so I'm definitely a little concerned. The only thing that I'll say is, as a whole, the White Sox offense has been underwhelming this season. Um, So, I don't think I play him here, but, I mean, the the White Sox are, like, bottom five in a lot of statistics this year. Yeah, they have been really bad. Um, I I wanted to find a reason to play Heasley. I just – I don't see it in the numbers. Um, Like you said, just struggled really bad with walks first time out um, did have a fairly decent strikeout rate in triple a, but we have not seen that in the majors. And a lot of times when, when prospects first come up, like 
their stuff doesn't translate right away. And it takes a while for them to get anywhere near where their minor league strikeout numbers were. Seems like we're seeing that with Heasley. Um, the, the White Sox are getting healthier too. Like they've dealt with some injuries, uh, like they got Moncada back. Uh, still missing a couple of guys, but this this White Sox offense, I think, is more talented than they've shown to this point. So I'm probably out. The like the price tag is attractive, and there's there's not much down here, but I don't think this is this is a spot. The thing that got me and everything that I read scouting report wise for him, and I read multiple sites, above average changeup. And I mean, that is something that could be very useful at the big league level. Um, but you look at the White Sox numbers against right-handed changeups, and they hit the changeup really, really well. So I, I just I struggle here to play him, even though he's super cheap. I just don't know if we'll need the value today. Um honestly there's not really any pitcher down here that i feel like oh i'm gonna play that guy um because this land is just atrocious today um we'll talk about a couple guys that i don't mind you know obviously deepmer is coming off of his um no hit bid going up against texas he's in this price range a little bit caperlin against minnesota potentially guys that we're gonna play but yeah this is a this is a rough spot i think for heasley and I don't mind the White Sox. Some of these guys seem like they're kind of appropriately priced, and some of these guys are a little underpriced, it seems. Um, I don't know if I full stack them. Maybe they're like a secondary stack. You know, Mankata is finally like warming up at the plate. He's probably $1,000 too cheap if he's going to be hitting the ball well. You got Grandall there, who gives you a catcher with some pop. Um, I mean, any first baseman on this slate, not in cores is going to be, you know, somewhat under owned. So um, don't mind it, Bray. You, I just don't know if I go full stack. I think it's a secondary stack team. Yeah. I, I kind of like the white Sox here. I, I have some, a good amount of interest and it's the pricing that you touched on. Like Moncada and Grandal are, are too cheap. They fill third base and catcher. Um, Jose Abreu at 4,100 is fine. Luis Robert at 4,600, like, Anderson at 49 is fine. He's, he's about appropriately priced, but it's, it's Grandal and Mankata that kind of make the stack come together for me. And if Heasley is, is going to have those control issues, um, there's going to be a lot of traffic on the bases and I'm pretty interested in the White Sox here. I think this is a good spot for him. We like when there's traffic on the bases. It's always fantastic. Uh, I have no interest in Kansas city. Um, you know, Perez is the one guy that usually stands out. They're priced like they're facing someone else today. Um, they're way too pricey for a matchup against Giolito. Yeah, they just get, came out of Coors Field, so their prices haven't quite come down from that when they were putting up a ton of runs in Coors. Um, I'm definitely not playing them against Giolito here. All right, we got Pittsburgh at Chicago taking on the Cubs. No total in this game because it's at Wrigley, and there's never a total the night before. JT Brubaker going up against um, Thompson, Keegan Thompson here. Wind looks like it's going to be blowing in 8 to 10 miles an hour, um, maybe even a little across the field. It's so tough to tell the night before. Um, we'll have to look at Roth and Weather Edge to kind of get an idea of what we're looking at here. Um, always, always, always. If you're a Roto-Grinders premium member, every day you should be looking at um, the MLB Weather Edge because especially when it comes to Wrigley. All right, JT Brubaker. 7,500 going up against the Cubs. Any interest here for him? I do have some interest here. I think he's probably appropriately priced. Not a huge strikeout strikeout guy, but he has been up at 24%. 
the Cubs have been good at times this year and they've been terrible at times this year. So I have some interest in, in attacking this lineup. Um, decent strikeout stuff from Brewraker and I, and I like the matchup. So I, I don't mind that 7,500 price. Uh, I think as a value option, he's in play for me. Yeah. I mean, VR, Wisdom, Schwindel, Suzuki, they're all striking out at pretty high clips this season. So I mean, there are some strikeouts. If the wind's blowing in, maybe that helps one long ball stay in or something. You never know. But again, the price range, it's kind of juicy. My only concern... His his pitch count has been down a little bit. I don't know if that's where you're going. I mean, he gets the quick hook. Like, once he gets past, like, the fourth or fifth inning, um, quick hook. So, I don't know. That's always worrisome. I need to go like this is one of those situations where I need to go look and see like if he started the six inning in any of these games, or if he's like on a hard innings limit at five innings, cause that would make a huge difference. Yeah. It does almost look like, cause he was up to 94 pitches uh, back on April 19th, but then he threw exactly five innings in his last three starts at 66 pitches, 83 pitches, 77 pitches. So that, that is concerning. It kind of seems like he might just have a five inning limit. Yeah. You gotta go and you gotta understand that, but I mean, a lot of teams do that with um, younger pitchers. So, yeah. But I don't even know. Is he young? Yeah, he's pretty young. I think he's 25. 25. He's yeah. 28. That's what I thought. Is he? I didn't, yeah, he's a little bit older. But I mean, was he? I wonder if he was like injured or something. I don't remember exactly. But anyway. Um, Definitely yeah, something to dig into because I do, I do like the spot for him. Yeah, it's definitely something I'll be looking at. And, I mean, Keegan Thompson on the other side of this game, he started the season in the bullpen, correct? Yep. Been a long reliever. Uh, We really don't know, like, if they'll let him go 80 pitches here or not. Um, I mean, you don't get many better matchups than facing Pittsburgh and and Wrigley with the wind blowing in a little bit. Um, Do we risk it? Do Do we take the chance that he gets 80 pitches here? Or do we think, like, I mean, you're the Cubs guy. (laughs) <laughs> you, you got our back here. What are we thinking with this young guy? Yeah, I'd be really concerned about, about the pitch count. Um, I, I don't think 80 is in the range of outcomes. I think 70 to 75 is more realistic. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they even announce an opener tomorrow and just let Thompson come out of the bullpen like he has. Um, he was piggybacking. Oh, uh, who's the terrible guy that used to be in, in Texas? I'm, his, I'm losing his name right now. but um, Well, he started last game, right? Uh, didn't I, I? I saw that correct. Didn't he start against the Padres? Um, I'm not sure that he. I'll look it up really quick. I'm pretty sure he started against the Padres. Yeah, he started against the Padres. So he that was okay. his first start of the season was against San Diego, and he threw 61 pitches. Okay, so then it appears he has moved into the rotation. Um, he but he's still not going to go deep, like you're just hoping for five innings. I think 70 to 75 pitches will, will be his max. Um, but like he's had good, really good st- strikeout stuff in the minors, had decent strikeout stuff out of the bullpen and it's a, it's a great matchup. So he's a little bit more expensive than I would want him to be to try to chase this, but I don't know. It, it's not the best pitching slate. Um, I I'd rather play brew breaker for a little bit more, but I think you could take some shots on Thompson if in a really large field tournament. It was Drew Smiley that he's kind of taken over. I don't know if he's taken over. We'll see. But um, yeah, Smiley went on the IL, I think. Um, 
that's not the guy I was thinking of. But yeah, he, he I mean, he's ba- basically been throwing multiple innings out of the bullpen for the first month of the season. And then looks like the injuries have kind of pushed him into the rotation. Well, Stroman's out too, right? Yep. So, I don't know. Um, anyway, let's talk hitters here. Anything standing out to you here for Pittsburgh? Um, I he, one thing Thompson has struggled with is lefties. Um, so I I do like some Pittsburgh bats here. Um, Brian Reynolds' price is standing out at forty one hundred. I don't like paying 4,400 for Gamble, but he's in a decent spot. And, and Vogelbach, I like at 4,700. So I don't mind a little Pirates mini stack here. Um, Thompson has struggled with control at times as well. Um, so I, I like the lefties. I definitely want to see what Weather Edge has, like how much this win could potentially affect this game too. Because um, I, I, I do think that is somewhat important. You know, it's important everywhere, but I feel like it's especially important at, at a ballpark like Wrigley. Um, it, it's just, yeah, Wrigley is a wind-affected ballpark by a large margin. So, um, Cubbies here. I mean, the Cubbies went off yesterday. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Chicago Cubs? Um, they're they're cheap. I'll say that. Contreras is 5,100, but everyone else is, is 4K or under. Suzuki at 4,200. Um, and I want to play some Brubaker just because of his price, but he's not a pitcher that like I'm afraid of. Um, so I'll, I'll play some Cubs for sure. Uh, Ian Happ at 3,800 looks pretty good. Uh, Wisdom at 4K, plenty of power there. Suzuki came out of the gate just scorching hot. Uh, the league has adjusted to him a little bit. So he's kind of going through with some things, striking out a ton here recently. Um, but I do still like him. I think there's some power there. Um yeah, that, that'd probably be about it. I don't know if it's a full stack, but I, I could get behind a mini stack of them. All right. Cruising along here, we got Atlanta at Milwaukee facing the Brewers. No total in this game because we have no idea who's starting for Atlanta. You know, Keith and I were talking about this pre-show. We looked on like – I looked at like six multiple sites and – Two of them have Strider, but he threw two innings in the game on Monday night, so I highly doubt he even opens this game for them. No idea what to expect here um, for Atlanta, so we'll kind of have to pass in the pitching situation. And then Hauser is starting for Milwaukee in this game. He's 9,500. He can't not walk people this season. Um this is a this is a this is a fade for me. You know, this is why I was talking earlier when we were when we were talking about um, Tyon, is because like a guy like Hauser, you know, this is a guy that just struggling massively with command, and like the one good game he's had this season was against the Chicago Cubs, and I mean, it's not like he's faced Cincinnati twice. Like that's a super beatable offense. Baltimore once. I just – I don't know if I can do it here going up against Atlanta, even if um, Acuna is not in the lineup. Yeah, he's just, he's just overpriced, and I don't trust him as much as I trust somebody like Eovaldi or Tyon. Um, like, Tyon's matchup is far better. I think Eovaldi is, is a much better pit, pitcher, certainly more consistent. So, like, they're both in the same price range. I would much rather play either of those two over Hauser. I'll, I'll pass here as well. Yeah, with Atlanta um... – I mean, the Atlanta bats here, this whole game is so expensive. Like, 
that it's such a huge problem because stacking this game is like stacking the Yankees or something along those lines. Um, it's really tough to stack either side of this game. Yeah, I mean, Coors Field is literally cheaper than this game is, which I don't I don't know where the Brewers have been overpriced for like a week now. I don't know where those prices came from, um, but they're they're really tough to play. And, and Atlanta is priced up as well. Like Riley at fifty three hundred. I, I don't know. Like Hauser has had his struggles this year, and I, I generally like to attack guys who can't find the plate. So I want to play some Atlanta. Um, I don't know what to do. Like. Olsen and Acuna I could get on board with in Albies, but like that's over 15 K for that little three, man. It's, it's really tough. Um, maybe I'll just chase some one-offs here on, on Atlanta because I, I do like the spot. I would want to attack uh, the control issues for Hauser, but it's, it's a little bit overpriced I, when I can play Coors for cheaper or, or the Yankees for about the same price. Um, it's hard to justify it. I mean, the Brewers, they're so expensive, too. I, you know, obviously you got to wait and see who's pitching here, but they're so pricey that it would have to be a really bad pitcher for me. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Chavez is the name that comes to mind. Like, he could be the guy that opens for the for Atlanta here, um, and I would have some interest in that, but they're they're all over 5K. It's it's another tough spot, kind of the same same situation we just talked about with Atlanta. All right, we got the Angels at – Texas facing the Rangers here, eight and a half total. The Angels a one thirty favorite. We got Deepmers against Hearn. Obviously, last time out, Deepmers threw an absolute gem of a game. You know, one walk away from a perfect game against Tampa. Didn't strike anybody out. I mean, just pitched really well in that game. All right, so a little bit of, little bit of Syndergaard still in my head. Um, <laughs> With that being said, Texas still not the best offense in the world. I feel like for Reed Deepmere, to me, it's all going to come down to ownership. Um, because I still don't know if he has, like, the ceiling. I, I, you know, okay, all right. I know what he just did. I know. <laughs> I know he just put up 37 DK points. I get it. So when I say I don't know about the ceiling, he threw a gem. He threw a gem. Once you get past like the sixth inning and you're throwing a no hitter, you throw, I mean, you're just, you're in the zone. It's just a lot had to go right in that game, right? 11 ground balls, 10 fly balls. A lot had to go right in that game. He only struck out two. Do I think he does it again? No, I don't think he does it again. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, for, for me, it's going to come down to ownership. It's going to come down to what this Texas lineup looks like. You know, they, they can roll out Eli white. They can, um, is it Eli white? Yeah, Eli White. Um, he'll hit leadoff in this spot. Obviously, Marcus Simeon's not having a great season, but he's still not striking out against lefties. Garcia's not having a great season, but we know he has power against lefties. Haim is a guy that has power against lefties. Um, really just, I mean, if he's going to be popular here, I'm going to easily fade him and just be like, he's not doing that again. Yeah, I mean, definitely an outlier in the last start. He threw 108 pitches. Uh, he, he wasn't above 88 in any start before that and a lot of them he was down in the 70 pitch range um it would not surprise me if he goes like 75 pitches in this one uh this uh, their young prize pitching prospect they're not going to go extend him after he just went out and threw 108 pitches in a no hitter um I, I think they'll be super cautious in this spot 
uh, and I'm, I'm probably out on him for that reason. Like I, I just, he's not a huge strikeout guy yet. The stuff hasn't translated quite as well. Um, 75 pitches and, and a strikeout rate around 20% probably isn't enough um, for 7,600. Just he's going to be good. Um, obviously he just threw a no hitter, which is incredibly hard to do. Uh, but I, I don't want to play him coming off of that after he just threw 108 pitches. And I, I think they'll be really cautious with the, with the leash here. Listen, this guy is a major prospect. I don't want anybody yep. to think that I think he's bad. He is a major prospect. He has, and I, I would even say, I don't even know if I'd say above average. It's better than above average curveball. Um, he has an elite curveball. We'll say that. This is a guy last season in double A in 12 starts had a 43% K rate. Like there's no doubt he has strikeout stuff. Sometimes it takes a while for it to translate into the majors. He, he really hasn't shown like the big strikeout stuff. Obviously the dude's major league ready You know, his 11 started through a no hitter. Um, but this is the number one prospect in the angels organization. Keith nailed it. This dude threw 108 pitches. He's had six or seven days all year. And 88 was his max. I just don't see the ceiling. I don't see him throwing a no-hitter again. I like the matchup against Texas. I don't think Texas is a good team in general. But, I mean, Texas kind of got to him earlier this season too. So, I mean, that's something to be concerned about. But I I just – Keith, I'm going to say it. I don't think he throws over 85 pitches in this spot. Yeah, I, I would definitely take the under there. And I can tell you one thing on the other side, Taylor Hearn, not pitching bad to start the year for sure. Um, I, even with him not pitching bad, probably not going to play him here. You know, this is a, with Ward, Trout, Rendon at the top of this order. That's a, that's a tough start to any pitcher's day, especially lefty. And I didn't even mention Otani. Yeah. The the, the angels have been, been really good. It looks like they might, Hopefully everybody can stay healthy because I really want to see that that Trout Otani combination in the playoffs. I mean that would just be be some good fun. Um, yeah, not the spot I'm I'm looking to play Hearn. Decent strikeout stuff, but a, a big walk rate too. And I just I respect the Angels' offense too much at this point when, with everybody healthy. Yeah, I mean it, I'm willing to roll the dice on some righties against the Angels this season because the bottom of this order is not the best. But I think we'll see some platoon here. Uh, they do have some righties that they can put in this lineup and kind of platoon out. So I think this is a tough spot for Hearn. And, you know, you look at his season stats, just looking at this year, 56% hard hit um, rate against right-handed hitters. That's going to, that's going to be a problem against the top of this order. And if they platoon some guys out. So um, I kind of like the angels here. They're, they're expensive. You know, obviously Rendon, Ward, Trout, Otani are expensive, but once you get down to some of these like platoon guys that could be in the lineup, I mean, we're going to see some value here for the Angels in this spot. Like we're potentially looking at Joe Adele, you know, potentially hitting fifth or sixth, seventh in this spot at 2,200 against the lefty. Um, I like that. Matt Duffy is 2K if he's back in this game. like there's some cheap guys that should be in the lineup here for the Angels today. Aaron Whitfield, I think. Oh no, they just assigned him right over the weekend. So I mean, if you play three of the expensive guys and you play two of these cheap bats, the stack's going to average out to pretty good. Yep, I I think you nailed it right there. Um, like the the top guys are some of the top guys on the entire slate, 
and then you mix in some of these guys who don't have the names that we're used to, to seeing, but they're down in the 2K price range. So that balances out um, the nearly 6K that you, you've got to pay for the studs. So um, agree with everything you said. I, I don't have a ton to add. Yeah, I mean, you're even getting like good like filler positions. Like you could play Andrew Velasquez, who is a switch hitter. So, I mean, the platoon doesn't matter for a guy like that. I mean, he's not a great hitter, but he's hitting four straight games and he's 2,100. So a lot of potential cheap bats here to put with your expensive guys. Because, I mean, you know, as much as we liked Trout and Stanton, I mean, Mike Trout, or not Trout, um, Judge and Stanton on that first game, you know, Trout, still one of the best, if not the best hitter in baseball, getting a lefty um, on the road too, potentially getting that fifth at bat just screams like play me um and taylor ward dude's hitting 385 this year i know we don't love average but he's having a fantastic season so uh setting the table and setting it right for this um angels team here so texas on the other side man obviously white right like this guy hitting lead off he's shown upside with stolen bases he's 2300 he's obviously a value play that we're going to be potentially looking at today yeah, definitely. I think he can enter the, the cash game conversation if he's in that leadoff spot again. Um, I, I don't have a ton of interest in stacking Texas, though. Detmers is a pretty decent pitcher. We're, we're not thinking he's going to go deep into the game, um, but he could probably go f- five innings. And Texas has has struggled quite a bit this year. If Seager gets the lefty-lefty matchup, that's not going to prevent me from playing him. Um Simeon has been off to a, just a, a horrid start to this season, but there's ser- theoretically some talent there. He's hit lefties well throughout his career. Um, I like Garcia against lefties. Like that's, that's probably like, I, I wouldn't mind like a Simeon Seeger Garcia mini stack. I don't think it's going to be a very high owned, um, not something I have a ton of exposure to. Um, yeah. So just lukewarm interest in Texas here. I think Detmers is good enough that I, I won't chase it very much. Yeah, I don't think I would. I One or two pieces, not a full stack. And, and like, if Detmers does get to that fifth or sixth inning, allows a couple of runs, like, if the game's close, you're going to get good arms out of the Angels' bullpen. Um, it's just not one of those spots. So, All right, let's talk course. We got San Francisco at Colorado. This game opened at 10 and a half on some books and it's up to 11 and a half on all of the books. Now um, the giants are one sixty favorite here. We got Chad cool, Alex Cobb. Let's talk Alex Cobb first. Just pitch well against the same team in San Francisco. I don't know. I'm actually kind of considering it. Uh, you know, Alex Wood. You look at the Colorado Rockies and you're like, all right, Alex Wood's a good pitcher. The Rockies are one of the top teams in baseball against left-handed pitching this season. But on the other hand, got a lot of righties in this lineup. I don't think Alex Cobb is the craziest idea here. The only thing I'm somewhat concerned about, and I got to do a little research on, is how is his splitter sinker combo going to do in in you know that that core's altitude. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Like, I like Alex Cobb a lot. I've been banging the drum for Cobb ever. Like, spring training came out, and the dude's throwing 97 miles an hour all of a sudden. Like, this is not the same Alex Cobb that we've seen for the majority of his career. I'm I'm completely buying into the strikeout rate. Um, 
he is up to 31 and a half percent this season. Like I think he's going to, he may not be over 30% all year, but I think he's going to be in that 28 to 30% range. When we look back at the stats on this year, um, like he's, he's a talented pitcher. The velocity is way up, but I agree with you that that pitch mix is concerning. Like pitches that, that require downward action are not great in cores at, at altitude. So I, I am concerned about Cobb. I will play him a ton this year, but I don't think that this is the spot. Um, I don't know, like all of these pitchers in this range are just kind of meh. So if he's coming in at like 5% and some of the others are up around 15 or 20% in this range, maybe I would take some shots on him, but uh, I'm, I'm not excited about it. And I am concerned about the pitch mix as well. Yeah. Just the price is just so appetizing, but like I said, I'm just I'm a little concerned, and it's shocking what happens when you go from Baltimore to San Francisco, right? Yeah. Uh, rejuvenated. Yeah, I mean, Chad Cool for me on the other side of this game. I mean, he struggled against the Giants in San Francisco last time out, faces the Giants in cores here. I mean, to be fair to Chad Cool, he's pitched better this year. Um, you know. Obviously, he's limited power to both sides of the plate. He's still giving up a lot of hard contact to righties and lefties. I just I can't do it. Nine K and cores against the Giants. I can't do it. Yeah, there's no chance I'm paying nine K for Chad Cool. I, I just looked up his underlying metrics because like that two eighty eighty RA. I was expecting to to find um, a pretty pretty big xFIP. It's three sixty seven, which is which is not terrible. So he actually has pitched pretty well and has earned those results this year, but I'm not paying nine K for him in course. Yeah. I mean, talking about the bats here for the giants and one of the most frustrating things about the giants is just how many times they pinch hit these guys. Um, I mean, if you were like me, you rolled out giants on Monday's slate and you pull up, you know, the game or you're, you know, you're checking at bat or something along those lines. You're like, man, my guys are in the lineup and it's the fifth inning. Um, it's really tough to stack the giants because I mean, the Rockies do have two lefties in the bullpen. Now it's not just one anymore. Brandon belts, 4,500. He's one of the top hitters on the slate. Don't get me wrong. They don't pinch hit Brandon Crawford very often. If any time he's in play at 4k, Everyone else is a pinch hit risk. I don't care who it is. Yaz, Jock, Wade, all these guys. But the, the flip side of that, Keith, is they're just so damn expensive on this slate. Cheap, you mean? Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're way underpriced. Like, I know. <laughs> it, it is, it is so hard to fade a team in Coors when they're also value plays. Um, like, yeah, it, it's frustrating. I, I don't know what to say. Like, you got Longoria at thirty eight hundred floors at thirty four. Like, they're all under four K. Jock at thirty nine hundred. Like, I'll take two or three at bats from Jock and Coors at thirty nine hundred. Um, you might get two. You might get two. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're gonna fade a team in Coors, it might be the Giants. Yeah, I just I wish that they were all appropriately priced, like they should be for a Coors matchup, and then it, it would be it would be an easy fade because I I do think Cool uh, Cool has taken a step forward and found something this year. I I don't think he's the same pitcher that we used to pick on in Pittsburgh, um, 
but they're they're just underpriced is the the issue that I'm having uh, with the Giants fade. So I'll probably just do what I did Monday night and try to match the field with them. Um, they they won't be my highest owned stack, but I'll I'll probably just play plenty of them so I don't get burned. There are some good pivots today. There were some good pivots on Monday. Um, it's kind of working out. I mean, I played the Giants. Don't get me wrong. Um, my best team also has Syndergaard and Trevor Story, who just hit a home run. Um, <laughs> so tilting, man. Oh, Thor. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, the Giants are cheap. You know, I, all joking aside, they're just so cheap that if you don't get pinch hit for here, you're in a great spot. I mean, Belt, he's your cash game first baseman. Crawford's your cash game shortstop. You're looking at some of these other guys that are going to be in the lineup that are cheap. And you I mean, you're just building around this team. Colorado, they're expensive. So here, the flip side of this is, is Colorado going to be low owned going up against Alex Cobb and Coors because they're so pricey? And if that's the case, maybe I actually like Colorado here. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I think Cobb is a pretty good pitcher. Maybe if if the pitch mix is a problem, they get to him here and beat him up a little bit. I don't foresee myself having a ton of ownership just because I I trust the velocity from Cobb and I I think he's taken a massive step forward. Um, and I don't want to pay the the pricing on on Colorado. I played a decent amount of Colorado um, last night and didn't work out too well. Um, I guess they're up to six runs, so maybe, maybe they got a chance to get there yet. But I, Cobb is just a good pitcher. I thought Wood was a good pitcher yesterday as well, but the difference is that Colorado is very right-handed heavy, and they lined up much better against Alex Wood for me. So Cobb being a right-hander, I don't like this matchup as well for them today. I mean, they got more runs than the Dodgers against Bumgarner. Um we got Minnesota at Oakland. Yes, I'm still tilting. Um, this is just one of those podcasts I'm going to tilt the whole time, and you're, you're just going to have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man, I'm – what's crazy is I'm going to go back to the Dodgers well for sure. Um, no, like there's not even like second-guessing it at all because it's Tyler Anderson. It's no lefty, and they're probably going to fail again. But anyway, we got Minnesota and Oakland. There's no total in this game. Like Giolito, Dylan Bundy expected to be activated off the COVID-19 list here. Not like Giolito. This guy has been out for 13 days here. Um, so I'm a little bit more concerned pitch count wise with Dylan Bundy than I was with Giolito. But I still think at 8,500, he's playable here. What are your thoughts here on Dylan Bundy? Yeah, he's the same price as Giolito. That, that's one thing. So <laughs> that's crazy. Um Again, yeah, the worst offense in baseball. This yes, it's the matchup, and that, that's a, exactly where I was going with it. Uh, I 8,500 is not an attractive price to me. Like, he's Bunny's not a huge strikeout guy, um, but this matchup against Oakland is a phenomenal strikeout matchup, so he's in play. I, I wish we had a little bit more information on, on the pitch count. Um, he got beat up in his last two starts before he went on the, on the COVID list, so. The recent form isn't great either, but I think at this price with this matchup that you just, you've got to take some shots on it. Uh, he pitched pretty well in his first three starts of the season. So hopefully he's regrouped. I'm sure he was throwing on the side while he was on the COVID list. Um, I, I wouldn't expect 95 pitches here, but I think he, he should be in that 75 to 85 range. 
Um, and it's a, it's a phenomenal matchup. So I'll take some shots. So while you're talking, I pulled up um, an article and there's a quote here um, from Ryan, who the, the coach um, said that we're looking or not Ryan. He was the reporter. Um, Baldali is the coach. He said, we're looking into maybe a piggyback situation for his first game. It'll give us an opportunity not to throw him out there for 85 pitches his first game back. So that's not great. Yeah, I mean that. I love Bundy in this spot. I just that screams sixty-five to seventy-five pitches to me. Um, might even be enough. <laughs> but if Bundy's chalk on this slate, I think that's what it's all going to come down to. Is if he's chalk here, it could be a potential, you know, huge leverage spot. So while I do think Bundy is someone that is in a good spot that report kind of stinks um, because I mean, there's another report that I read earlier. I think it was on the DraftKings page that said that um, he will be on a pitch count. I mean, so he's already telling us that this is a pitch count situation. So uh, Kaplan, other side of this game, you know, his, he, I think he's through three games in now, three starts in his one start um, against Minnesota was his best start of the season. Kaplan, I mean, Minnesota's not a team that, like, you're uber scared about either. He's cheap. It's just the walks, man. He can't not stop walking people. And this is a good matchup for walks. There's not a ton of walks in this lineup or a ton of people that are patient in this lineup, I think, is the best way to put it. It's just the price, 7700 for a guy that, you know, he's kind of in that range. He can go negative 5 or 25. Um what are your thoughts here on Kaplan? I'm interested. Um, we've, we've talked about, I mean, there's a lot of options in this range. You've got Berrios right next to him. Cobb, if you want to want to try that. Detmers, if you think he can match that. Brubaker, if, like, I like the matchup for him. Um, but Kaplan might might be my favorite in the range. I, I The walks have been a huge issue. But if he can get that figured out, it's a guy with some talent. Um, like sometime... Okay, not to interrupt you, but like he didn't yeah. struggle with walks last year, right? No, not, definitely not to this extent. Right, because um, I remember we played him quite a bit last year in matchups, and he is a pretty big prospect in the Oakland organization. I just... Yeah, that's what, what I was going to say. When he was coming up, I'm pretty sure he, he was known for pretty like really good, like plus control. So it's definitely surprising to see him struggle with walks this badly. Um. But yeah, like like you said, the Minnesota is not not an offense I'm like scared of, um, and I I do think that there's more talent in this pitcher than he's shown this year. So kind of like Barrios, I'm I'm going to take a leap of faith and just hope that he's worked something out between starts. Um, obviously, these guys aren't going aren't trying to go out here and walk 15 percent of guys. So he he's working on mechanical tweaks and things like that between starts. You can you can bet on that. Um, if if he comes out and has it figured out. I love the price tag and, and I'm not scared of the matchup. So I'm, I'm going to play some Caprillion in here. I think I am too. Um, you know, even Detroit, they're not the best offense, but they can throw some lefties in there. Minnesota's going to have a lot of righties and this dude has an above average slider um, that could be deathly against right-handed hitters. So uh, I do think he has some big time strikeout upside here. I already mentioned that Minnesota is not a high walk rate team in general. You know, just looking at this season against right-handed pitching, Minnesota is 
below average. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the price is right. Ballpark's good. I think this is going to be a game that's pretty low scoring here. Um, I know Correa is close to being back. So I definitely want to kind of pay attention to that. But I mean, at that point, you're still just worried about Bucks and Correa and Sanchez. And Sanchez is a guy that you hope's in the lineup because he's either going to hit a home run or strike out three times. So, um, yeah, I, I think I like him in this spot. I just, I mean, I don't love the Minnesota bats. You look at Buxton, he's 6K. That's tough to, to stomach. Um, I mean, you could play some one-offs here maybe with like Kepler, but probably going to look elsewhere on this slate. Um, you know, if if he does struggle with walks, maybe the stack works. But in this ballpark, I still struggle to see the stack work. Yeah, yeah I agree. Tough ballpark to stack. And if this game was in Minnesota, I would I would have a lot more interest in Minnesota um, because like pitchers that are struggling with control, I said it earlier, is is exactly what we're looking for. Um, but yeah, I just don't see a ton of runs being scored in Oakland here. Um, I didn't. I don't know. I get you might make one full stack just in case Kaprilian just can't find the plate. Um, I do love the price on Kepler. I think Urshela is is fairly priced. Like they're cheap enough to where it's not a problem to fit Buxton into a full stack. Is is the point I'm trying to make there? So not a spot that I love because of the ballpark, but I, I might have one or two. Yeah, I mean, on the Oakland side, even with Bundy not expected to go too deep into this game, um, nothing really standing out to me. I mean, Jed Lowry's 2,700, Seth Brown's 2,400. If you need the value and you end up there, sure, but I'm not going to go out of my way to play these guys. Yeah, I agree with you. Loriano's another one I'll throw out there. Don't mind yeah. his price, but um, just, yeah, a couple of value bets maybe if necessary, but not interested in a stack. All right, moving on here. We got Arizona at LA taking on the Dodgers. I meant I said Tyler Anderson facing the Dodgers. I keep forgetting that he's on the Dodgers this year. Um, right now, I got Caleb Smith starting. I knew there was a lefty, but there's no total out for this game. It will be interesting to see if um, it is Smith or not. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I don't care who's pitching for Arizona. I'm not playing against Dodgers. Yeah, no, no chance. Uh, Caleb Smith hasn't even stretched out. I don't, like we wouldn't be pay- playing him even if he was. But uh, I think it's going to be like a two inning situation if Caleb Smith is the one starting. So I'm stacking the Dodgers again. All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk Tyler Anderson on the other side of this game because I actually don't hate this matchup for him. Arizona, you think about a lot of their good bats are left-handed. Um, obviously, they got a couple good righties in there with Marte and Walker. But overall, I mean, I don't think this is the craziest idea. He's not a guy that walks people. He has decent strikeout stuff. There's a, I mean, if they roll the lefties out there, they can't take them all out. I mean, they can platoon a little bit. Like, Leplo will be in there, and he's a lefty masher. Um Shout out to you, Derek Cardi. I'm going to continue to say it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just – I don't think this is the craziest spot for a guy like um, Anderson on a slate where we really haven't loved a lot. We like a little bit. I think Tyler Anderson's playable here. I think he's playable too. Uh, he's been surprisingly good for the Dodgers. Like the, the control is the thing that jumped out to me. He's only got a 4% walk rate. Like that's that's elite territory. So uh, – and strikeout rate above 20 
he's 22% this year. That's, that's decent. And Arizona's not an offense I'm afraid of. So 8,700 is a, a little bit rich, but like you said, it just, everyone on this slate is just kind of an uncomfortable price. I don't, I don't want to say even that they're overpriced, but just like there's not a ton of value outside of Giolito, who's just a screaming value. Uh, but everybody else is just kind of is priced correctly. And we're concerned about the upside on everybody. So agree. It's a little bit higher price than I want to pay. Um, but I think it's, it's doable on the slate. Who is our Johnny Quaid of the day? Um, <laughs> Arizona bats. I mean, I just mentioned Leplo, right? Like Leplo is 4,500. He, he crushes left-handed pitching. So obviously a ton of interest in him, probably just a one-off situation for me. Love first base plays today, so I don't think that I I play Christian Walker. Um, he's 4K. I'm going to spend up a little bit and get some of these guys that I like more. So I think it's really just Leplo, um, and that's really it for me today on Arizona. Yeah, Marte has had a really, really tough start to the season, a guy that's been really good against lefties throughout his career. But he, I don't know. He has struggled mightily this year. It's uh, OPS down at 664, so – just been a rough go for for Mr. Marte. Um, well, he got on that stretch, and you're like, when he started hitting, you're like, all right, he he's got it figured out, and then like, just gone absolutely cold again. Yeah, yep, and the price is still up there, like 4900. Like that's that's elite territory. So I don't I don't know, probably won't do it. I don't mind Luplo, Lake Walker, uh, Nicomed at 3600, and and Hummel in the outfield at 3500, or, or the other guys that. Maybe you could find a three-man stack out of out of that group. Well, I can tell you one thing. Um, I stacked the Dodgers against Madison Bumgarner. I'm for sure if it's Caleb Smith going to stack the Dodgers <laughs> against Caleb Smith, they will definitely be one of my three teams that I'm targeting on my three-entry max teams today. Um, here I go again. I mean, this is a, a spot where pitching's not great. Bumgarner is struggling here a little bit in the bottom of the fifth. So I'm hoping my stack is about to come alive. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the Dodgers here, you know, depending on who's in the lineup, you're not going to get a ton of value. This is going to be an expensive stack. You're going to have to stack the Dodgers and, you know, look at some of these seven K pitchers that we talked about on this slate, like, you know, Kaplan, maybe even like Alex Cobb, Obviously, Giolito Dodgers stack will be your chalky combo if you're stacking the Dodgers. But I think like on a two pitcher site, if you go for a cheaper secondary stack that's maybe lower owned, it will be okay. Um, Giolito's just I think he's in that territory today where I just don't care about his ownership. Yeah, I mean, similar to Severino yesterday, like yep. it's just a, a case where he is underpriced and in a great matchup. Like you, you just probably have to eat the ownership on that one, but I'm with you on the Dodgers. Um, Arizona, just no matter who starts their bullpen, isn't good. I think it's, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they've been one of the worst in baseball this year. Uh, and the Dodgers are, are the best offense in baseball. So yes, we want, we want to stack Dodgers for sure. All right, let's play the morning grind game and then we'll get out of here. Give me a guy under 8,000 to get six or more strikeouts today. I think getting this right is a key to this slate today. Like you're going to need to go down here for some of the bats that we want to pay for. Um, this seven K range, there's a lot of interesting options. Uh, Barrios is the one that I've got written down here just because of, of his track record. I, I think he eventually figures it out. Um, so I'll go, I'll go Barrios. Again, one more time about Barrios. He's had a tough start to the season as far as matchups. This is going to feel like, 
a much different matchup for him. He's not this bad of a strikeout pitcher. Just look at some of the teams he's faced. And then, um, I mean, I like Kaplan. I, I think I'm going to go with him in this spot at 7,700 for the strikeouts. He's, he's done it against Minnesota once this year. Um, it's him or it's him or one of the pitchers in the Chicago game. Yep. Over eight. I, I think Brew Breaker yep. would be my, my third option there. Yep. Yep. Over eight K to score under 15. Who's your bust today? Um, give me Hauser tough matchup against Atlanta has had control issues. I think he struggles again in this one. I'm going to go Dylan Bundy off of the report that we saw, um, or that I found. So I'm just going to go with that. I think this is just a spot where I think Bundy 85 pitches, 95 pitches here smashes. I think Bundy at 65, 75 pitches with a piggyback situation. I just don't think it will work out. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass on Dylan Bundy today, as much as I really wanted to play him. Um, let's go over 4k to hit a home run, not in course today. Uh, give me Aaron judge. Love those righties against Spencer Watkins. I like it. I'm going to go Mike Trout because for one time ever, I had to scroll down to get to him um, when I hit all, when I hit hitters today on drafting. So I'm going to go Mike Trout. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, a good spot here. Under 4K to get two hits, not in cores. Who's a cheap bet that you like to get two hits today? Um, Mankata has missed some time. He's been really good since he's come back. Uh, so he's still just underpriced for his talent level. Uh, I like him against the rookie today. I like that. Um, I don't know if this guy's going to get two hits, but I really like his price. So I'm just going to make him my value play today and go Joe Adele at 2,200 in this spot. I hope he hits like fifth or sixth today. Um, maybe we get lucky and he hits higher, but this guy prospect wise was someone that was very touted and it's still it's still so early to like no i mean i think he's 23 24 years old so uh give me a stack to score six or more runs today um i'm gonna stick with the white Sox. They, they've struggled this year but i like this spot for them um against the rookie pitcher who who hasn't had any strikeout stuff that's translated as of yet so i think i think they put up some runs there I I mean, I just picked two Angels, so I should say the Angels, but I need revenge. Give me the Dodgers. <laughs> um, listen, I I got super excited because Mookie Betts just got a hit and there was two runs scored, but it was on an error. So just I'm still tilting over here. Like, it, it still happened. <laughs> no RBIs. But he had one. I mean, it was on a throwing <laughs> error. So, like, he got the one run. But I'm over here tilting, Keith. It's happening. Um <laughs> I mean, we don't have a ton of lines, not a ton of betting stuff really standing out. Is there anything standing out to you betting-wise? No, I didn't see any lines that, that were standing out. Like you said, there weren't many posted when I looked pre-show. Um, just trying to think off. So Berrios' strikeout prop is something I've, I've bet the under on quite a bit this year, and that's worked out quite well, obviously. I'm, I might take some, some shots on the over. If it's at four and a half, I think I would go over on Berrios. So I just realized something. I'll look into it really quick. Are the Dodgers playing a doubleheader tomorrow? Ooh. They are playing a doubleheader tomorrow. Oh, um. So Merrill Kelly is the guy that might start here for the second game, from what I'm reading. 
I mean, that doesn't really change my thoughts on the stack. I just hate the fact that it's the second game. Um, it may be after lock before we even get a lineup for that, depending yeah. on what time is that first game. Three o'clock. So, I mean, I would highly doubt that we get a lineup for lock. Um, we don't even know who's pitching the first game for the Dodgers. I wouldn't be surprised if DraftKings removed the game from the slate, honestly. I'm... I kind of hope they do now because I still want to stack them. I mean, we could get a nice little – oh, man. Could you imagine some Edwin Rios in the lineup? Um, <laughs> Cheap Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's Merrill Kelly. Um, maybe Freddie Freeman, dh Oh, man. I could get behind – Edwin Rios is 3,300. I-, I could get behind that. That would be fun. Anyway, I just wa- – I saw that really quick and just wanted to mention it. Um I pulled up prize picks and I was like, game one. Oh, that stinks. <laughs> <laughs> that was like my, uh, and the White Sox are playing a doubleheader as well. So um, that's not fun, yeah. man. We got two doubleheaders today. I didn't even notice that. And that probably would have been helpful. Um, yeah, I was curious because I know FanDuel never, like hardly ever includes the doubleheaders. Uh, the White Sox and Dodgers game, neither one are on the FanDuel slate. There you go. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, if the White Sox game is on there, I still like Giolito. If they take that game off, it makes this slate so much more interesting, though. And they take the Dodgers game off. Like, we lose two potential pitchers here in Giolito and Anderson, and the slate just becomes so much different. Like Jamison Tyon a little bit more, don't you? (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) All right, we're going to get out of here. I mean, we break down the games, the news changes, everything throughout the day, but uh, we give you a first look. Appreciate everyone for listening. Keith's been absolutely smashing. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. Make sure you're checking him out over there on Scores and Odds and on Roto Grinders. Good luck, everyone. We'll see you again tomorrow.